Lose the Cape Podcast, episode 155. Hey, hey, mamas, Nancy and I are back today with another just amazing episode. <laughs> At least we think so. If y'all are enjoying our podcast, we would really love it if you would share about us, go over to iTunes and leave a review, um, tell your girlfriends about it, invite them to join Your Mom Squad, a private group on Facebook, which you can find the link to that in today's show notes, losethecape.com forward slash podcast, forward slash 155, or just in general, help us spread the information. We really think that we talk about stuff that is super useful to most moms and um, and try our best to provide content that is entertaining, yet thought-provoking, and makes a difference in the world. So if you love our podcast, we hope that you will share it and let us know if you're sharing it. We want to reward you for your efforts. You can email us. You can let us know on Instagram or our Facebook page. Everything is Lose the Cape. Um So anyway, today, a few things before we get into our interview with Suzanne Brown, uh, who incidentally is launching her book today. So happy launch day to Suzanne. We're going to talk all about it during the episode today. But uh, before we get into it, a couple of sponsorship opportunities. So we are growing, growing, growing. And one of the ways we uh, love to connect moms with services and products that are going to be either good for them as a mother, as a business owner, as a homemaker, um, as all of the above, et cetera, et cetera, as a woman, it doesn't even have to be about motherhood, is to put her in contact with some great things that we have found useful um, as either products or services to help us with all of those things. So right now we are gearing up for a special Lose the Cape podcast episode, which is kind of going to be our favorite things kind of episode, but it's the holiday gift guide and it will play Um, Early in November, we are looking for sponsors who want to get their products, services, books, ideas, whatever it is that you want to get in front of um, our crowd, which is a growing crowd, um, for us to talk about. So we are limiting the number of sponsorship um, spots available, obviously, because we want to have time to really talk about each product or service um, on our episode. We will also be running paid promo posts on on social media. We will be writing about it in our newsletter. We will have a downloadable PDF guide that will go out in our newsletter. And um, we're offering these sponsorship slots at really low prices. We think that it will be a guaranteed win for you. Um, We were looking over our stats and we do a pretty good job of sending people to our sponsors' websites and pages and downloads and all of that stuff. Mostly because we really do try to limit it to products that we would actually use and enjoy so um, or benefit from. So if you're interested in a sponsorship opportunity for that, you can find it on our main website at losethecape.com. It's the banner that runs across the top or in all of our recent um, show notes. So today's is losethecape.com forward slash podcast forward slash 155. Um, finally, I'd like to offer you the opportunity to join our Facebook group. It is Your Mom Squad. I think it's private, so you may not be able to find it by searching Your Mom Squad. I'm not 100% sure on that, though. Uh, I know it's linked from our Facebook page, and I'll make sure the link is in all of our show notes pages as well. 
um, on losethecape.com. But it's a small but growing group of women who just want a place to be able to talk about real stories, real issues, real things that matter, vent about what's going on in their life and have supportive moms who are there to talk about it with them without judging them or um, you know, being mean or whatever. It's a, a place that we enjoy and we're trying to grow it um, to utilize it more more regularly because I think it's important that we provide each other a tribe of people and we'd love to be your tribe to help you through this sometimes very, very, very challenging stage of motherhood. All right. So without further ado, again, uh, thank you for being here with us. And I'm um, pleased to bring you our guest this week, which is Suzanne Brown. For any of you all looking to make either a change from full-time to part-time work or you just needing some tips and resources on how to balance all the things, uh, she's got her second book out that it's the Mompowerment Guide to um, – to managing life, basically. We'll talk all about her book and um, and how you can get it in today's episode. Thanks so much. Enjoy the show. All righty. Welcome back to another episode of the Lose the Cape podcast. I'm your host, Alexa Bigworth. And I'm your co-host, Nancy Tavionis. And we are really pleased today to bring you a repeat visitor to the podcast, actually. If you've been listening for a while, you've heard us interview Suzanne Brown before. She is a work-life balance speaker, um, including a TED Talk, which I know many of us who are out there in the speaking environment love to um, dream of doing. So we may have to ask you about that. I hadn't planned on it, but we should. We should talk about that. She's also a strategist, strategist. she's the speaker, not me, uh, an author of <laughs> books that help working moms with different aspects of work-life balance. Check out her weekly blog, watch her TED Talk, or read more about her books at mompowerment.com. She lives in Austin, Texas with her husband and two young boys. Thank you for coming back on the show, Suzanne. I'm so glad to be here. I love Lose the Cape, so it's a thrill. <laughs> Thank you. Um, well, first of all, let's, t- let's just break down what a work-life balance coach does. Are you a strategist? What, how do you help mom? What if, first of all, what is work-life balance mean to you, and then how do you help moms train achieve this? So my take on work-life balance is a little different than what might be kind of what's in your head. And so I think of work-life balance as the long-term balance that you create. And so what you have, Alexa, is different than what Nancy has, which is different than what I have. It should be a very personal way that you balance things. And it's not based on this 50-50 split between work and life daily. Like that's just pretty much impossible to achieve. And if that's how you look at it, you'll literally fail like every single day. And so I try to help moms, working moms specifically, figure out what should that look like over time based on their needs and how can they get more of, how can they be more efficient with the stuff that they have to do so that they can have more time to do the stuff that they want to do. So um, I'm sorry, finish that thought. Didn't mean to no, th- right off there. <laughs> and I think that that is, you know, for everyone that looks a little bit different. So I try to 
personalize things and provide strategies based on exactly what's going on in their life and what do they need to be better at so that they have more time for whatever it is that they want to have more time for. So are you working with um, all kinds of moms or do you primarily work with um, work? How would you identify who you, who your target is, who, the, who are the people you want to work with? So I tend to work more with what I would call professional working moms. Um, and so I don't, what I share as far as advice goes and what I share from like tips and tricks and tools is generally for moms who are in the workforce either as entrepreneurs or they work for, they're employed by a company, big or small, but they tend to be in more of a professional role. So it's moms who are not necessarily struggling with like bringing in the money, but they're struggling with like, okay, so I don't have to worry about like making a living. I have to worry about like, I don't have enough time to, to go and volunteer at my child's school. And that's what I really want to be able to do. And so those are, so we, so I tend to kind of put the line as professional working moms. Um, because a lot of the advice that I got in the interviews that I did for my books was based on talking to people like engineers and doctors and, um, and marketing consultants and, um, you know, all kinds of different kind of more professional roles. And so I don't, I don't necessarily have the, it's not going to be the exact same tools but it will be some element of something similar within that toolkit that will help, even though an engineer and a, um, and a, uh, a doctor are different, they can still use some of the same tools. Right. And how did you decide that this is what you were going to be? You were, you were, what were you doing in your full-time world before you decided I'm going to help moms achieve work-life balance? <laughs> um, so I, I was a strategic marketing consultant. Actually, let me take a step back. I worked in the marketing agency world for, um, at that point, about um, 11 years. And then I got pregnant. And um, similar to Alexa, I had a preemie. And I had no idea what was going to happen after we got out of the neonatal ICU. I just, I had no idea. Our um, elder son was born 10 weeks premature. And, you know, I, I went to my manager, who's the head of finance, and I said, I want to work part-time. And that, that opportunity to work part-time, and she was very supportive of that. Um, I think in part because she had had her, her, both of her kids, um, when they were first born, I think had some health issues. Mm -hmm. And I think they also spent some time in, in the NICU and she was very supportive, but I got all kinds of questions on how did you make that happen? You know, how did you convince your boss? What, you know, what were the words that you said? How did you know that you could do that? How, you know, lots and lots of different questions because there were very few people who work part-time in the company where I was. And it's, it's a large company and it's part of the largest marketing conglomerate in the world. So this is a company that has tens of thousands of employees worldwide. And so I just got lots of questions and that made me realize, okay, there are lots of questions. Let me just answer the questions. And then 
about a year after being a mom um, and doing this part-time thing, I became a hundred percent entrepreneur. And I had had a side gig for at that point, like eight years. So I basically just made my side gig my thing. And I still kept getting all of these questions, but it was from an entrepreneurial perspective of how do you get everything done? How do you make money? How do you actually like manage your schedule so that you can go pick up your child by 1.30 every day? And so I just, I didn't understand like, why do I keep getting these questions? There's gotta be a place where I can send people. Um, I mean, specifically more send other working moms is really who was talking to me. And there wasn't a resource. And so being an entrepreneur, I said, well, I'll just create one. <laughs> I mean, how hard can it be to create how a resource? <laughs> how, how hard can it be? <laughs> how Which, many years are we into it now? <laughs> yeah. So, and Alexa knows this. Um, and I think Nancy probably does too. But I, I mean, it took me three years to do the interviews of these other working moms because I didn't want it to be my story so that somebody could pick it up and say, well, yeah, if I worked as a consultant for myself in Austin, Texas, which is a really um, uh, entrepreneurial friendly uh, community, I could probably work part-time too. And it's like, no, no, no. I mean, I wanted lots of different perspectives and I didn't want it to just be the voice of an entrepreneur or the voice of somebody who was employed. Like I, I wanted it to, to have a lot of variety in it so that it, so that you could kind of find different options in there and take some things at face value and then take other things and adjust them a little bit for your own needs. So it just made sense to interview people, but it did take me three <laughs> years to do the interviews. I mean, my research was over a three year period. So yeah, sure. How hard can it be? It can be really hard. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But you've put together a really comprehensive resource. And thankfully, your second book didn't take you quite so long to. <laughs> no, I, um, you know, when I, so the first book that I wrote was really about how do you transition to a part-time professional approach to your career? And that, um, and there really isn't anything out there in the marketplace that, that talks about that. Um, and it's becoming more and more a thing of, of working moms being interested in how do I create more flexibility in my life? And so it's it, it still, even within the book, so it didn't only talk about the transition, but it talked about all kinds of ways to improve your productivity and, and increase your time management and, um, and look at things differently and fit in things like self-care. But women who weren't interested in part-time were not interested in the book. That's really what it came down to. And right. so I basically kind of peeled out all of the part-time stuff and reshuffled things and added in new things and did some new interviews and created a new resource that's for like working moms. So it's not just, do you want to, are you part-time? Do you work from home? Are, you know, it's like, no, are you a working mom in more of a professional kind of environment? then it's a, it's a resource. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I learned, you know, I listened to the people who were talking to me and saying, I'd love to have that kind of resource, but I'm not interested in part-time. You know, and I said, I think I'm hearing the same <laughs> comment over and over. Uh -huh. um, and I mean, whether you're an entrepreneur or 
um, you know, even in like your normal business life, you, when you keep hearing the same thing over and over, um, and definitely as an author, you realize, okay, well, can I take what I have and, and adjust it a little bit so that it, it applies in a different kind of situation? You know, it's like, it's like a new iteration. Yeah. Well, I think it was super smart. I mean, we in the writing world always talk, especially writing for entrepreneurs, not so much in, in fiction, your audience would get kind of PO'd at you if you just took your book and repurposed it. But, <laughs> but in the entrepreneurial world, I mean, that's one of the smartest things you can do is to repurpose content that you've already created someplace and package it together and, and help it serve a different audience. And I think that's, that's super, super smart because I'm finding the same thing just as, uh, just as a relatable topic here. Like I wrote my, for my Ditch the Fear book is all for entrepreneurs who want to write a book or at least that's who I marketed it for and did all of my case studies and research on. And now I'm talking to all these other people who want to write a book that aren't interested in building a business from their book. And I'm like, well, okay, I'm going to have to go back and do ditch the fear for the regular writer. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but, but I totally plan on pulling because there's so many applicable things. You rephrase a few things, you know, do things, pull out the mention of business and building your business and voila, I have another book that opens me to another another audience of people. So I totally think that's smart. Plus you were able to put it together so much faster. I mean, we already had the book formatted basically the way you wanted it to look. It was everything down the line was just so much easier and faster the second time around. So that was great um, from production standpoint, but um, okay. So what are some of the things then that you really, that you would highlight if someone were to say, and let's pick one or the other, let's, let's start with the part-time moms, because I think this is a really interesting topic, not the part-time moms, maybe the moms that want to go part-time. I honestly don't know how moms work full-time anymore without, uh, it, it, I, 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 <laughs> just like, I don't know how they do it. Honestly, I look at how much stuff I have to get done for my three kids every day. And it's either somebody else has to do it for you, or you just don't get to participate in so many things, or you're just like dying of exhaustion because it's 10 o'clock at night and you finally got everybody fed and all their homework done and spent time with them once you got home from work at six o'clock, right? So if you got home from work at six o'clock, if you got home from work at six o'clock. So I completely understand how a woman who would want to stay professional, who doesn't want to completely abandon her career, um, how she might really be interested in this idea of working part-time. But I feel in the South in particular, we're very closed to this idea of being flexible with hours, being flexible with work schedules, being flexible with whether you're full or part-time. So I would, I would ask that question first. Did that come up in your research? Did you interview anybody who came up against this? Um, and if not, we'll just go to the next question. But <laughs> yeah. what would you say to that person who's like, I just don't think my boss would be open to this at all? So I will say that there, there were certainly women who I interviewed who essentially had to go through a few managers to be able to create new flexibility, mm -hmm. right? So, so there was definitely that. Um, and it wasn't necessarily having a male boss or having a female boss. Like it just kind of depended on the manager. And, um, and I think in some ways it really depended on how you pitched it, honestly. Um, but 
it was very surprising to see how much flexibility some moms could get in some of the most challenging industries that aren't known for flexibility. Uh-huh. So for example, I interviewed a mom who is the chief financial officer of a hedge fund. So you would never think, oh, financial services, I bet that's where I'm going to find a bunch of flexibility. Like <laughs> never would you figure that out. And I might add, she works in New York City, which is, you know, one of the most demanding markets, especially for financial services and hedge funds in general, from what I know from my, um, my own friends who are in the industry, is a pretty, um, uh, pretty demanding kind of industry. And so what it really came down to was these moms understood their value. Mm-hmm. You know, they understood like, what do I bring to the table? I've had X number of years of experience. Here's what I know that other people on the team don't. Here are the things that I bring to the table. These are my strengths. This is what I've been able to accomplish for you as an employee in the past. And I need you to give me flexibility knowing these things. And so I think in some ways it was really based on their negotiation ability and really knowing like not my worth from like a a dollar perspective, although that definitely came into play, but the, you know, what do I have that other people on my team do not, that you're going to have to go find a new person to fill this role that I've had for three years or five years or 10, you know, whatever it was. And I think that was really kind of the deciding factor with these women who were in, at times, very inflexible circumstances. Yeah. You know, but that concept of value came up over and over again in these interviews that I did and really being able to, to talk about those things, you know, like that made a huge difference. Well, and I think um, also if people understand the replacement value as well, like how much it would cost to, and like you've pointed out, you know, the skills that you have, well, some people have so many skills that it would take like four different people (laughs) to replace them, or they would be seriously lacking in X, Y, and Z. So understanding like how much it costs to bring in someone new to train them to do that if they use recruiters the 20 percent fee that a recruiter gets i mean all these different types of things that rapidly add up to a very expensive process to bring in someone new plus just time lost yeah i would think that um a a good pitch would include all of that stuff. You know, it's, it's interesting. I I like that you did highlight that it doesn't really matter whether the boss is male or female, because originally you might think it helps like with your boss, it probably did help that she had children. Um, Mm -hmm. But I would say, you know, across the board, it just depends. I've had female bosses with children who were a lot more likely to advocate for something like that. And females that weren't married and didn't have children that would absolutely not but then yeah. one who was unmarried, one, I mean, my, my best advocate actually was my last direct supervisor um, in Homeland Security who was younger than me, single, no children, but she really just had a solid sense of family values. And um, I advocated for a reduced um, hour schedule, um, but not all the way part-time. I think it was more like if I was a flex time, we called it flex time. Okay. 
yeah. I was able to work a, a modified schedule so that I could have every other Friday off is what we went for, which um, meant I didn't take lunch breaks and I came in a little bit earlier or whatever, you know, but it was great because I had every other Friday off. So sometimes it's not even a part-time scenario. It's a flexible schedule that still allows you to do something different too, I would guess. Yeah. And I think, you know, the reality is part-time is not the right solution. And part-time is literally anything under than 40 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, although I did interview some people who work up to, some working moms who work up to 40 hours, but that's in comparison to their colleagues who work like 60. 60, right. Yeah. <laughs> so if, you know, if you're, if you're, if it's like I work up to 40, that's still considered part-time in some industries. And yeah. so, but I think it's interesting because part-time isn't necessarily always going to be the right solution. It might be that you, um, so the schedule that you're talking about, um, at least in like the Houston area in the petrochemical industry is called a 980. So over the course of nine days, you work 80 hours, like however that needs to, gotcha. to, to like however you need to make it add up, you work for nine days and then you basically get every other Friday off. Um, but it is, um, you know, maybe that's the better option, or maybe it's that you work from home, or maybe it's that you, um, you have like a split shift. So you start your day and then you walk out at three o'clock, you pick up your kids and then you hop back on the computer at, you know, whatever time you need to hop back on the computer. So there's lots of different ways, but it might be that you kind of need to understand, like you need to take a step back and think about what is it that I really need? Why do I want the change? and then start thinking about what fits that need instead of just immediately going to the solution. Yeah, yeah. Um, Because it might, the solution you come up with might not be the right solution. And it's really hard to go back to your supervisor if you're in a situation where you work for an employer and say, oh, you know how I said that I wanted a 980? What I really actually need is I need to work from home. (laughs) Like that's a really awkward conversation to have with your manager to go back. So you kind of need to have your ducks in a row before you go to your manager and have the conversation. Do you do consulting on this? Do you help people figure out how to have that conversation with their bosses and what they should say and how they should research it? And because if you don't, you should. I do. I do. So so that's why I call myself a strategist or or a consultant more than I do a coach Mm -hmm. because I go in and, and I help solve challenges like in the moment. Okay. Let's get through the challenge. And then you, you take that and you go with it. Mm -hmm. Like the idea is not to have us going for six months. It's for you to take the tools and use the tools without me being there, you know, and I've certainly had people come back and say, okay, so I solved that challenge. What's the next, so I, here's the next challenge I need to solve, you know, so, so I've certainly had people come back, but, um, but I don't, like, my point is, I don't want to be needed. Right, right, right. (laughs) I, I give you what you need and you make it happen. Like, that's kind of my approach, but that's my approach in my marketing business too. Like, I help clients figure out a challenge and then it's like, you go, you implement, execute, be amazing. And then you come back when you have another problem that we can help with, you know? So it's, I, I feel like I do better in that situation, even though I've certainly had people who've said, Oh, but this could be like a retainer and it could be over time. And I'm like, it could be, but it won't be. 
<laughs> that, that is, I can tell you other people who can do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, well, so, okay. One of the things that I like about the book is that you also, it really is about this whole idea. Like you said, you don't prescribe a work-life balance that it's individual for people, but that you do take a, take a look at other areas that can be impacting. And Nancy, feel free to jump in here if you have any questions about this too, because you guys have all kinds of, of your husband was work from home and you work from home and there was, you know, I'm sure lots of different perspectives going on here, but um, you know, I like that you take a, a whole life perspective that you help say like, you know, if, if you're being overwhelmed because you're trying to get the kids ready for school or because you're trying to get meals planned or all these other things that still make life crazy for working moms part-time, full-time or otherwise. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. A good addition to the book that it's not just, you know, here's how you, here's how you scale back at work, but it's, here's how you manage the whole big giant picture and, yeah. you know, figure out everything. Yeah, because it's, it makes no sense to use changes in like productivity or how you use your time only at work. You know, that makes no sense. Like there will be other places, like whether it's your, you know, meal planning or whether it's, okay, so how can I literally be more present, whether it's work or home, like whatever it is, you know, you want to use the same approach just in the different areas of your life. Because if you're like any normal person, like me included, there are multiple places where you need a little bit of, of a boost, right? Like, it's not like I've totally got work down, but home is a mess. Like, right. it's generally like, eh, I'm kind of struggling in multiple areas. So where do I start? You know, right, it's like, right. that's all good. What's interesting is that um, we interviewed uh, Shanti Bryan a few weeks ago, and um, she had said, or we had talked about in her interview, that basically work-life balance doesn't exist. It's a lie. You know, and I, so. think, I think it is, like, how it looks in the movies is, like, magical, and it's like, oh, this magical day every day, and everything's under control, and it's not. I mean, it is definitely not. <laughs> and it might be that you work your tail end off Monday through Friday, but Saturday and Sunday are completely devoted to your family. You know, like that might be what it looks like. It, like if I measured myself from a balanced perspective based on this summer, I look horrible. I mean, honestly, like it was like not a good moment of balance with between work and just all the stuff that I had going on and my kids being out of school. And so that's why I say it's long-term. Like look at a week, a month, half a year, a whole year. Yeah. And, you know, it, it will change. And I think in some ways it will, it kind of takes some of the pressure off because there's no question moms have guilt of like, I didn't get to spend time with my child today. And it's like, okay, but you spent the whole weekend at your child's baseball tournament. Like that has to count for something. You know, you're good. You know? You're good about this too. I remember one day having a chat with you about something. I don't even remember. We were going back and forth about something 
completely non-related. And I, I said something about, I felt so horrible because I wasn't spending enough time with my kids. And you're like, hold on, give yourself credit. I just saw a bunch of Facebook pictures that you just posted <laughs> about three days of you going off and doing this one thing. So cut yourself some slack today. You're not with them, but, and I think kind of that's what Shanti's point was too, was that, um, the idea that anyone can have work-life balance is a lie, but you figure out your own way. Like yeah. today it might be all about work. Tomorrow it's all about the kids. And it's never that each day is perfectly balanced, but you kind of figure it out. So I just like to say, I appreciated you um, reminding me that while I may not be present 100% every single day, that, you know, not to, not to beat myself up too hard because I was still doing a good job as a mom. <laughs> I sometimes it's I have to remind my, <laughs> sometimes I have to like remind my kids that even you know that that I'm doing stuff for them that they don't see. Yeah. You know. You know, oh. and I'm like, you know, if they like when they like complain at the end of the night, you know, like, why do you get up? Why do you get to stay up and we have to go to bed? I'm like, I have spent the whole day being a mother. <laughs> <laughs> go to bed yeah I mean it's like give me a moment of room. but, but you, I mean you're that is actually a really great point of there is so much that we do at work and at home that people don't get to see right it's it's like all of the stuff that you do in order to make it all work and you know we don't we don't put that out on the table and say hey, I've done all of this so yeah. that we could do this. Like, I we, mean, don't, we don't have I, that conversation. I was up at 6 a.m. this morning to straighten my daughter's hair for picture day, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, so, and I like don't wake up at 6 a.m. So if she See, complains and, and, later, I'm gonna remind her of that. <laughs> and in my head, I'm like, okay, so I wake up at six almost every day. But the first thing I went to was, yay, boys. <laughs> <laughs> there is no hair straightening with the boys no kidding oh my, oh my god and you know my daughter has hair just like mine just so you know <laughs> oh my no, god and I, and I only did it because she asked me to normally i would have just been like to put it in a bun and i'll be fine <laughs> i i i think that god was very um very specific about giving me two boys who <laughs> as rambunctious as they are and high energy as they are it's like I don't know what I would do if my child came up to me and like expected me to spend an hour on anything related to like like I have like I have curly hair I like wash and go like like yeah I, I think <laughs> the universe, God and the God in the universe were like boy mom I mean, there's. <laughs> That's funny. My son could care less what's going on. Every while he'll want to have the same haircut that you know is popular. Then my second child, I swear, just inherited the genes that my sister's got because she's like all girly girl, you know, <sighs> likes that, wants hair straight, and wants to be wearing lip gloss and cute clothes and all this kind of stuff. And then my youngest is like me. She's just like 
clothes are just utility. Like just find something to wear because you have to have clothes on. It doesn't matter what they are or what they're go naked. Yeah. Her hair, she could care less if it's natted. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if she has dreadlocks in high school because she'd just rather dread it than than she has super curly hair, which I don't have curly hair, so I feel feel for her on that. Yeah, it's so funny. Well, let's let's switch gears just a little bit. And just to make sure everybody knows, Mom Paramount um, is actually going to be, at the time of the recording of this, the second book, The Guide. Um, what's the full title again? The Guide to, to Balance? The, the Mom Paramount Guide to Work-Life Balance. Work-Life Balance. I forgot that part. Yes. So available for um, anyone who wants to learn about work-life balance. Um, and then the first one is primarily for moms who are trying to do or figure out how to do the part-time part. And that one is available. The second one will be available probably shortly after we launch this podcast. Yes, because it's September 5th. This will play, yes, like it'll be launched. It'll be available pretty much around the same time this is coming out. So that's good timing. Um, let's see, what was the other thing we were going to talk about? Oh, 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 yes. So I wanted to transition into, as you know, as I've mentioned to you, like we are starting to talk more about issues that matter to us and using our voices. And to me, this is, this is, this topic is hugely in line with the whole idea of female equality and maternal health and and children's health and all those types of things, because you can go back and do all kinds of studies about how important it is for children to have their moms around more and blah, blah, blah. But anyway, having the bet, having the freedom to be with your children, if you want to, I think is a huge issue that we don't do well on in this country, but um, talking about other, that may be your issue. What's, what's an issue that you are really, really fired up about? So I really care about women's leadership. And that's actually kind of part of the purpose of the book of keeping more, you know, educated women in the workforce so that they move up the ranks. Mm-hmm. You know, because we need if if we can have more women leaders, then all of the other things will I won't say will go away, but they will generally be improved. Mm -hmm. You'll have more decision makers who are figuring out maternity leave and figuring out, you know, what does work-life balance really need to look like? Or what are the areas that we need to support all of our employees, not just women? Um, And even for that matter, like, it's not necessarily um, something that people talk about on a regular basis, but it's definitely something that I looked at in my research, that having women leaders at the like the highest levels in a company so at the like chief operating officer like all the cxo and and on the board of directors which is pretty rare um and like that one level below um the cxo suites um if you can have women in like that 30 percent of your leadership in that top 30 percent bracket it actually impacts your financials yeah so it's even that like companies are literally even better off with women leaders. And it's like, what are all of the things that we can do to just continue to support getting women higher and higher and higher in the ranks instead of hitting that, you know, that glass ceiling in part because they simply can't do it all, you know, and in part because they just hit this moment where they're like, I just can't do it anymore. And, and they just, they're like, I'm out. And so it's, you know, it's getting more and more traction, more and more people are talking about it and thinking about it. But I think it's incredibly important for all of us 
you know, even like as an entrepreneur, like there are funds finally that are there, you know, there's, there are VC funds where, um, uh, that, that that's uh, venture capital funds, sorry, that are all about investing in, in entrepreneurial endeavors that focus specifically on women owned businesses. Oh, I need to figure out how to get some of these. Well, and, <laughs> and I will say an interesting, um, there was a research done and I can't remember who the, um, the venture capital group was that, that did the research. Um, but they did research and they found that, companies that they had invested in over 10 years. So they were doing like their 10 year trends, so to speak, but companies that they had invested in during that time frame, who had a woman on the founding team did better than companies who did not have a woman as one of the founders. Mm-hmm. Like that's a really important nugget mm-hmm. because women owned businesses don't tend to get the same kind of funding or, or access to funding, you know, then, then they're all male counterparts. Right. Right. So like if, if, if you can have more women leaders who are saying, okay, I'm going to start a fund and here's how I'm going to do this. More women will get access to money. You know, like, like I feel like it's like forever a cycle. It's a huge cycle. And even all of these things that we, that I just mentioned, like more maternity leave, uh, longer maternity leave. I mean, it's a shame. It's a, it's a huge shame on the United States, how little of an emphasis we put on this and how so many women don't access paid maternity leave at all as part of their job is shocking as as you know our place in society but it does it impacts all across the board more women leaders in fact i'm working with a a film um a producer right now her name is kirthy nath she's actually going to be a contributor to an upcoming book she's just done the um um a trailer for a children's book that we have coming out all about a very strong young woman princess monroe but kirthy is a big, big, big advocate for, for more women. And she's just produced a, a short video documentary called More Women Leaders Everywhere. We'll make sure that we, um, I'll send you the link. We'll make sure it's in the show notes as well. But it's this whole idea of getting more women leaders into the process, into, um, into the political system and all these kinds of things. But across the board, it, it, it trickles down. If we want some of these things that make sense to us as women, we have to have women that are up there advocating for it. Men just yeah. think differently. And I'll give you a perfect example. I think it was three years ago, we finally passed a law in South Carolina that finally made the, the, um, the, uh, response, the, what is, what's it called? Punishment. The punishment for beating your female spouse, for beating your spouse more um, strict than what it was if you abused a dog. So like, like you would what? go to jail longer for being arrested for abusing dogs than you would for beating your wife under the old laws. So they were putting through all these um, domestic violence. And South Carolina, by the way, is number one, usually between one and three in domestic violence. Um, so yes, and the, the cases that were made 
the things that came out of these men's mouth. Like, well, if he hit her, she probably did something to deserve. No, 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 no. Oh, no. oh my God. <laughs> no, 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 no. Actually said, and, and if it weren't for the handful, the tiny handful of very loud women that we have elected in our government, who thankfully one of them actually had a sister who was nearly beaten, not thankfully, but thankfully she had the story to share on right. her platform. Her sister was nearly beaten to death by her spouse that she was able to go in and advocate as an elected senator in our state and really make these men think about what they were saying. But it's like just across the board. I mean, they just think differently. And yeah. if we're going to see changes, we have to have more women everywhere. But, and I think that's a really important point of it's not only in business, it really is having women in government, mm -hmm. in, in governmental roles that are either elected or appointed that are decision makers, right? Like it, maybe you're, you're, it's based on your constituents that are, you know, that are voters, or it might be your constituents in a company. But the idea is to, to have more of that voice and I mean, even within that, to have more, more variety of, you know, maybe it's having more Hispanic women in those kinds of roles, having um, African-American women, having Asian women, you know, so, so, I mean, it's literally like representing all the colors of the rainbow, so to speak, right. because it's not only having just white women, right? Like, oh, it's of, being, course. of course, it's not. being a, but I think that that's the other challenge of, you know, in, in my, in my book, it's really about professional women and it doesn't take a look at differences in culture or differences in socioeconomic levels. It's about, are you professional or are you not professional? Um, and there have to be other resources that are put in place just to make things easier in the United States, you know, and it's something as simple as, um, you know, other countries, other developed countries around the world. And for that matter, even developing nations have, um, either a, a portion of childcare paid for, or it is actually paid for by the government. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we don't have those kinds of things. I mean, they're in, in many states, like probably all 50, um, the cost of childcare is the same as like tuition for a college. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And that like, that truly hinders how, um, how women can just get ahead. You know, if it's between like, let me pay for all of the things in my life or let me have a child, like, like, you know, you, it's really, it's a no brainer, right? Like, okay, well, I'm going to stay home with my child because it's just too expensive. Or honestly, women, not as many, like our birth control rate, uh, not birth control, our birth rate has, um, in fact, the opposite birth control rate is clearly going up, but birth rate is going down. Yeah. Like, I think, I mean, sorry, go ahead, Nancy. Yeah, I, because a lot of it just has to do, I mean, the reason why it's, you know, the mom staying home is because women just don't have the earning power. My husband would love to stay home, but I'm like, <laughs> I don't have the earning power that he has, you know? And so that's why I left my teaching job and stayed home, you know? Yeah, but don't get me on the topic of teachers because that's a totally different issue of like the challenges that are that we face from an educational oh perspective. But, that's a huge one. but it really is it is 
amazing how, you know, if you look at the number of women who walk out of like, like a college, right? Like who, who leave with a diploma, there are generally at many schools, there are more women walking out with a degree, mm -hmm. but they're not starting on equal footing and they're not moving up the ranks at the same level. And it's like, why? It's not like they're not as qualified, you know? So we just, yeah. we need to, we need to come at it from a lot of different angles though. We just kind of need to keep like hacking away at it. Right. So it's like, I mean, they, we have tried, I think it's, um, what is it? The Lily Ledbetter Act that is like trying to equalize um, pay between men and women. I think it's the Lily Ledbetter Act. And we still have not been able to get a pass like to make sure that men and women are making the same amount of money well, that's for the job that they're doing. That, that's it's just like crazy. That still remains a big issue. But to your point on the earning side, there's another element of that too. That's the women like me, who my earning ability for many, many years was far higher than my husband's because of my expertise, my education and my background. But I wanted to be home with my babies and I couldn't had no option to work part-time. So now I've yeah. been out of my career field for seven years. And if I were to try and go back, I've, I would not go back in anywhere near where I was earning before. And, you know, it's not to say that people should hold jobs, but women should not be penalized for deciding to make family a priority. Um, you know, however that makes it look, but you know, However you can make that look, I don't know, but to, to, you know, to, to just, and I've heard stories of women who couldn't get back and not, my job is a little bit different because I've been, I mean, it would take a lot to get me back to where I was because I've lost seven years of what's happening in the world. I was in counterterrorism and intelligence yeah. and a lot of things have changed in the last seven years, a lot. So yeah, it would take some time to get to back into it. But for someone who does a skill that you can jump right back into with maybe a month or two of getting, you know, it just, it's not fair. It's not fair. That's a bit big issue to me. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, we could go on forever we could about, talk about this for a very long time, but I yeah. and wrap it up because we've been talking for quite a while. Um, the biggest point is that if you are interested in trying to make a shift in your career, um, in terms of how many hours a week, what your work situation looks like, if you want to try and get down um, some of the hours that you work so that you can have a better work-life balance, then you definitely need to go check out the first Mom Powerment book and check out Suzanne on her website, mompowerment.com, because she may be able to help greatly figure out a plan. And then the second book should be out any day now, and they'll also be able to access that through your website, right? Yes. Yeah. Is there any other place you want to send people? or tell them before we wrap up? Um, I am very active on Twitter. So if you like getting little nuggets throughout um, the day or the week, then you can follow me on Twitter and I'm at mompowerment, super simple. Um, and then I also have a Facebook page and group for that matter. So if you're trying to find um, camaraderie, there is a Facebook group and I try to share, I don't tend to share the exact same things in all of the places. I try to make it more relevant to where you're going. Um, but yeah, you can anywhere, pretty much anywhere you want to look, you can find Mom Powerment. That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much. This was a great conversation. We really could carry it on for days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you yeah. for having Thank me. Thank you.
Bye.